We're going to take our Bibles this morning, turn back to Genesis chapter number 1. We're also going to turn to a couple of places in the New Testament. You may want to uh, stick something in your Bible in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, the book of Colossians chapter 3, and uh, we will be uh, reading from those passages as well in the course of the message this morning. So Genesis and uh, Colossians and then uh, Ephesians uh, from God's Word this morning. Years ago, I, I met a gentleman that God brought here to Community Baptist Church. When I first met him and began to get to know him, I quickly recognized that he is a man whose intelligence in many technical areas goes far beyond my own. Of course, my knowledge of him was just rudimentary. I just I didn't know him well. And I only saw some brief flashes of his intelligence and his capabilities. I knew he was a very interesting man, but I didn't know the depth of it. And then one day, he pulled out a robot that he had built. He had designed it. He had built the systems that went into it. He put it together. And I was amazed at what that robot could do. You know, when I looked at that robot and I watched what it could do, that day my understanding of this particular man's intelligence and capabilities was drastically increased. When I saw what he made... I realized more about the capabilities and intelligence of the one who created that which he created. I learned something from that. I learned that if you want to really understand a person, study what they have produced in their life. And when you study what they have produced in their life, you will better understand the intricacies of the person who produced it. Whether it's something technical, mechanical, or something of flesh and blood. You will know a person more deeply when you look at what they have produced. And you know, it's that way with God. I know about God. But the more I study the intricacies of what God produced, the more I am wowed at his power, his intelligence, and his design capabilities. I know more about God when I look at what God has produced and then reflect back at the God who produced what I've begun to understand. Multiple systems all working in sync with one another to enable a world, a, a very universe to function. Oftentimes in a flawless way. The human body with its myriad of systems that cannot exist independently on their own without being integrated with all of the other systems enabling the human body to function. How could that be? 
that all of those individual systems that could not exist by themselves are so integrated together such that they work in sync with one another depending on what the other produces to result in a body that functions. Who made this? The more one understands, the more one is wowed at the intelligence and the power and the mystery of the creator who brought it into existence. Multiple disciplines of science whose experts study a lifetime to understand how something works. And all of that shouts in unison, God exists. It could not be any other way. And we learn about that God. We learn more about that God and we're wowed about that God as we understand what he made. Well, last Sunday, Pastor Chris launched this new series of Sunday morning messages on the statement or the question, who is God? And trying to understand who God is and what he's like. Last Sunday, we learned that, that there are three actions that are very important actions. And the first action is that God speaks. We learned from Psalm 19 that, that there is a language that is known in every part of the world. You don't have to learn the language to communicate in that part of the world because there's a language that speaks universally and it's the creation of God and it speaks to us. Every day it utters speech saying God exists. We learn there's another action. That second action was man suppresses the truth of God's existence. And man suppresses the truth of God's existence because of the rebellion of his own heart that doesn't want to be accountable to that God. And Pastor Chris took us to Romans 1 where we learned about the suppression, the holding down of the truth of the existence of God in the cesspool of unrighteous behavior that will not acknowledge the reality of God. And then we learned a third action last week. And that is that God saves. In spite of the fact that we rebel against him, he's a gracious, loving, merciful God who reaches out in salvation to those who are in rebellion against him. We learned from, again from Psalm 19 that God saves. And we learn about that wondrous salvation in the word of God. How can we describe this creator God who we learned about last week whose world shouts that he exists? How can we describe him, his existence, his nature, his being, his person? So over the next few weeks, Pastor Chris and I are going to be bouncing back and forth and preaching a series of continuing a series of messages on the existence of our God, who he is, what he's like. And this morning we're going to focus on the person of God at the very rudimentary level of his existence as God. You see, you know the unknown by studying the known. 
You study a study that amplifies our understanding of what we can see, deepens our understanding of the one who brought that into being. The invisible God is better understood by studying the visible product that he brought into reality. And so an awareness of the intricacies of what has been created reveals the most amazing intelligence, design, skill, and creative power of the creator. Understand that the more you learn, the better you understand you say, well, that, that's stupid, that's silly, that's, uh, that's obvious. Well, it ought to be obvious. It was almost 50 years ago in 1973 when the majority opinion of Roe versus Wade was written by Henry Blackburn. Uh, 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 I didn't say that right, his last name, Black, Blackman, I believe it's pronounced. Anyway, the, the majority opinion of Roe versus Wade Wade was, was written, and the one who wrote the majority opinion that established the supposedly constitutional right to murder an unborn prior to their natural birth and made that a federal law, the one who wrote the majority opinion of that decision noted that the decision was made based on their current knowledge but that if it is ever proven to be that the life in a womb is a person at an earlier stage, then the entire argument that won the day would be meaningless, would fail, because if it could ever be proven that that was a person, then their rights as a person must be protected by our 14th Amendment. You see, what they said is, we don't know everything right now. We don't know when a person becomes a person. But if it's ever discovered that a person becomes a person early in the process of life in the womb, then that will negate the current decision we're making. You see... The more you learn, the better you understand. And it impacts the depth of your understanding about things in life. It reminds me of Charles Darwin, who acknowledged at the outset of presenting his theory of evolution as the origin of life and the development of life on planet Earth. Charles Darwin said that when he, when he presented his theory, he said that if it's... That, that if, if, this theory is true, then the ongoing work of those who dig up fossils, they will find fossils of all the intermediary stages that I have depicted in art. There will be intermediary transitional fossils that will abound under the spade of those who dig into the earth and discover fossils, and the fossil record will prove my theory to be true. And if they aren't there, then that will prove that my theory 
is a failure. You see, he acknowledged that this is a, this is a guess based on what we currently know. But if future knowledge disputes the theory of the day, then the theory of the day will be proven to be wrong. You see, the more you learn, the better you understand what brought about that which is being studied or thought about. You see, the proponents of both abortion and evolution in the past acknowledged what would be each of their Achilles heels. It would be deeper knowledge of their subject. It would be God's truths about each of them that would reveal whether they are in fact correct or not. And we've lived long enough beyond each of those situations to know that based upon what we've learned in the creation and the created world and the, 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 the intricacies of what God brought into being, we have come to understand that in each of those situations, they are unworthy of adherence in today's world. God does exist. And our study of what he produced has negated both the theory of evolution and the decision that a human being in the womb isn't a person yet and therefore is not protected by the 14th Amendment and therefore can be put to death. When God on the finally on the sixth day created the animal kingdom, his crowning creation was man. If you want to understand the nature of God, study man. Because we are the image of God on earth. And if you want to understand God, Observe man. And that will deepen your understanding of the nature of God. The result of studying God's creation of mankind is what we want to focus on for a few moments this morning. You see, you are what enables you to understand God's nature. Who you are, let me rephrase that, who you are enables you to understand the nature of God. That's the bottom line up front. That's the bluff of this morning's message. Who you are enables you to understand the nature of God. In Genesis chapter 1, Pastor Chris read a moment ago in Verse number 26, that when God created man on the sixth day, the Bible says that God said, let us make man in our image. You want to understand God? Understand what he created in his image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion. Verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. 
Here in the very opening chapter of our Bible, the Bible declares that God created mankind. The crowning of all of his creation throughout the, the, the six days of creation week on the final creative act on day number six was God's crowning creation of making something different than the animal kingdom. Something different from everything that he had created for six days. He created something that's not just another animal. Man is not an animal. He is the image of God on earth. After God created all of the animal kingdom, he said, now let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so God created man. Flip over to chapter 5, Genesis Chapter number 5, verse number 1. The Bible says this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. The creation of Adam and Eve was not the creation of another animal. The creation of Adam and Eve was separate from the creation of the animal kingdom. The creation of Adam and Eve was to create a living being in the image and likeness of God himself. And as an aside, just kind of a, not really pertains to this message directly, but it, it, it's, we're, it's playing out in our culture today. Verse number one said in the, day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam this is Mr. Adam and this is Mrs. Adam God created man he created man with two genders Mr. Adam and Mrs. Adam and notice they were both called by the same description. They were both man. Mankind. Humanity. From Genesis chapter 5, it has been clear that the word man speaks of mankind, not of maleness. It is also used at times to speak of a male. And the context will indicate that. But the word man means mankind. It's male and female. He created man. Male and female created he them. They were both in. And he even called their name Adam. Mr. Adam, Mrs. Adam. You see, the further the world and culture has gotten away from the word of God and a knowledge of the word of God, the more they've struggled and even in our English language, as you know, for the, in my, most of my lifetime, there's been a struggle with the name, the word man. And yet from Genesis 5, man is male and female together. Man is mankind. It's humanity. And God created mankind, male and female. And he created them in his own image and after his own likeness. Now, what does man have to do with learning about God's nature? Well, you see on the screen there the statement, the truth travels in 
in two directions. And as we think of truth traveling in two directions, we learn something about God through man. Let's, let's take the first direction. The first direction is that you point back to God. Now, we know God doesn't have a body. The Bible tells us that God is a spirit. He took upon himself a body when he became human in the person of Jesus Christ. But God, in his eternal existence, he, he's, he's spirit. But the artist, the famous artist, depicted him uh, as, as a man. And I want you to know that you point back to God. What do I mean by that? When you know who you are, how God created you, that teaches you truths about what God is like. If you want to know the nature of God, you begin by understanding the nature of what God created. And our knowledge of humanity points back to enables us to begin to understand God. A great insight into the nature of God comes when we understand the nature of man who was created in his image after his likeness. And what I learn about man who is the image of God points back to the creator who created man and tells me something about the nature of God. It's kind of like that man and his robot. Now I can look at the robot, and when I look at that robot, that tells me some things about the man who created that robot. It points back to the creator. It, it impresses upon me the level of intelligence of, in technology, the ability to design systems and put them together and create a functioning uh, object. And, and I learn Something about the intelligence and abilities, the capabilities of the creator of that robot by looking at the robot. But there's a lot I don't learn about the creator of that robot by looking at the robot. The one who created the robot is so much bigger than the robot. His nature, his, his person, his intelligence, his capabilities is far greater than what was manifested in making the robot. But studying the robot points back to the nature of the creator of the robot. Let me illustrate it this way. It's like a model. Someone gave you a model, a little matchbox model of a Lamborghini. You could look at that little matchbox of that Lamborghini, and, and if you knew that was a model of a real thing, then you could think, I think I know something about what the real thing might look like. I think I may know something about the real thing. In fact, I may know something about the design and the capabilities. See, the, the matchbox Lamborghini would point back to the real Lamborghini. The real Lamborghini. <laughs> now, when you look at the matchbox of the Lamborghini... That tells you a lot about the Lamborghini. But there's a lot about the Lamborghini that the matchbox doesn't do justice to. Because the Lamborghini is merely a model of the real thing. That's what a model is, right? A model is a small imitation of the real thing. 
when, when the, and, and the jokes abound with regards in marriage seminars and like, when, when a man says, I want you to meet my wife, she's a model wife. Or a wife says, you got to meet my husband, he's the model husband. That all sounds great until you realize that a model is an imitation of the real thing. A very small imitation of the real thing. But the model gives you clues about the real thing, but it doesn't exhaust one's knowledge of the real thing. Let me give you another example, a shadow. You can look at a shadow. See, that's what the word image means. When God said, let us make man in our image, the word image means the shadow, the outline, the basic form of. When God said he made man in our image, let us make man in our image, the Bible says man is going to reveal a little bit about us as God. And so the shadow tells me a little bit about the person that created the shadow. I get some indication. I, I could tell you some things about the person who created the shadow. But the shadow does not tell me everything about the person that created the shadow. It just gives hints towards the person that created the shadow. Evans said the image means a shadow or outline. G. Campbell Morgan said perhaps the simplest exposition of the thought would be gained by the contemplation of the shadow of a man cast upon some white background by a shining light. The shadow would be to the man what the man is to God. Like and unlike, suggesting an idea, but by no means explaining the mystery. Impossible apart from the substance, yet infinitely less than the substance. Man no more expresses all the facts concerning God than the shadow expresses all the facts concerning the man. Nevertheless, the shadow is the image of man and indicates truth concerning him. So the big question is, oh, let me show you one more shadow just for, for fun. When you look at the shadow, that tells you a lot about what created the shadow. But there's so much more about what created that shadow that you'll never know merely looking at the shadow. The shadow is just a hint about the one who created the shadow. And so we have to ask the question, what do we know about God by studying humanity? Well, there are some things we learn about God. The first thing we learn about God is that God's a person. What is personhood? What is it to be a person? Being a person is a, is a result of or is related to the faculties of intelligence, emotion, and will. I have the ability to think, I have the ability to feel, then I have the ability to make decisions based upon what I think and what I feel. And the interworking of those faculties of the ability to think and feel and make decisions is the work of the conscience that God put in every human being that he did not put in anything else he created. But he did put into his creation of humanity, a conscience, which is the inner working of the ability to think, to feel, 
and to make decisions. And every person has that conscience. The Bible tells us that God put that in us that enables us to know right from wrong. God is a person. God, like us, who are the image of God, God is a intelligent, feeling, acting being. He is a person. He's not a force. Sorry, Star Trek, but you taught a couple of generations to reduce the majesty of my God to a mere force. To deny the reality of the living God of the word of God and make him a force. Star Trek, you have, a, you have helped destroy a generation's understanding of the personality of our God. You were wrong, Star Trek, and you're still wrong today. Attributes of personhood created in the image and likeness of God. We are persons. God is a person. But you know, as a result of our fall into sin, as a result of the fall of mankind into sin, that image was marred. Now, we're not talking about a physical image, a, a, a body. We're, we're talking about the being of God who created us in his image in the fall, in the introduction of sin into humanity. That image got marred. It got distorted. And so there are things about the image of God that have been distorted by sin. In the great salvation passages in Romans and Colossians and Ephesians, the Bible declares that the impact of salvation is to restore the image that was marred by sin so that we can once again be the image of God on earth as a result of our being conformed by salvation into the image of his dear son. That's what the Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 9. That the Spirit of God conforms us through our salvation. He conforms us into the image of God. And once again, we, the created beings of God, made in His own image, marred by sin, rescued by salvation, our image can once again accurately reflect the image of God to a lost and dying world. Now, what kind of person do we become in salvation? Well, we know that God is a person, but we also know that God is an intelligent person. Let me get you to turn over to the New Testament. I'll just read the one in Romans that's on your worksheet this morning. Romans chapter 2, the Bible says that, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things concerned in the law, these having not the law are a law to themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or accusing, uh, accusing or excusing one another in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Even before we get saved, the unsaved with a, with a distorted image of God 
still has within themselves by the creative act of God a conscience. It's the law of God written in their hearts. And they know there's right and they know that's wrong, there's wrong. And even the unsaved person, when they, because of their intellect, their ability to think, their emotion, the ability to feel, and their, their will, the ability to make a decision, when they make a decision based upon the faculty of their personhood, their conscience will either accuse them and say, you did wrong, or excuse them and say, good job, you did right. And this is before we get saved. The conscience written in our hearts to know there's right and wrong. But in salvation, everything is elevated towards our pre-fall nature as a person. You see, in Colossians chapter number 3, let me catch up with you here just a sec. Colossians chapter number 3, after this uh, two and a half chapters about salvation... Colossians 3 and verse 10 tells us that we have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You see, in salvation, in salvation we are, we put on the new man. We put off the old man, what we were in Adam, what we were as a marred, fallen creature. And we put on the new man which is patterned after Jesus Christ. And our knowledge is renewed. Put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And so God is a person, but he's also an intelligent person. He's a person of knowledge. He's a person of, of, of awareness. Because we are. We are Persons of knowledge. It's very sad those who've been saved for any length of time to follow the news and follow the downward death spiral of American culture and see how, and Pastor Chris ended the message last Sunday in Romans chapter 1 showing us how that God gives people up to a reprobate mind, a mind that is illogical, a mind that can't think and can't reason. And when we look at our world that is fallen and in sin, a, a culture and people who don't have the knowledge of their creator make decisions that are appalling to us. And we see the spiraling out of control of people's lives and decisions because they can't think. They can't think logically. They can't think reasonably. Can you imagine anybody 15 years ago saying you can choose to be whatever gender you want to be and if you're not male or female, you can make up whatever you want to make. Can you imagine 15 years ago anyone making a statement of that and not being laughed out of any discussion that was based on truth and knowledge? What has happened God has given people over to a reprobate mind, an illogical mind, a mind that can't think. But we in salvation are renewed in knowledge after the image of we can think. 
we can go to the Word of God and the Word of God influences us to understand God, understand how God did things, understand why God did things, understand the consequences of doing things God's way and the consequences of doing things that are not God's way. And we can think and we can reason and that's a part of the marred image being brought back to the image of God created in unfallen humanity when he created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. You see, God is an intelligent being. And we have the ability to think. And we have the ability to be logical and reasonable. We have the ability to know truth. Because we're created in the image of God. And that includes knowledge. Colossians chapter 2, just across the page, perhaps, or back a page, rather. Colossians 2 and verse number 3, the Bible says, Of Jesus Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Do you understand that in God is hid? He is the depository. He is the owner of. He is the one that has all wisdom and all knowledge hidden in our God and he created you in his image. You were marred by sin. But salvation brings us back to the ability to read and study and think like God thinks and know like God knows and make decisions like God makes because we are renewed in knowledge after the image of of the God who created us. You see, you point back to God because you are a person of intelligence and you have the ability to know as a saved person that reveals truths about our God who is the repository of all knowledge and all wisdom. And that's why we go to his word to be able to know truth. We don't go to Harvard and Yale anymore. Oh, back, you go far enough back, you could have gone to Harvard and Yale. You can go back and read what's carved into the stones around their buildings, and you can realize that there was a time when you could go to Harvard and Yale and find truth and wisdom. But we don't go to institutions of higher learning that are run by atheists and evolutionists that reject the knowledge of God. And find truth. Truth is embodied in God. But he creates you in his image. And in your salvation you are renewed in knowledge. God is an intelligent person. And then finally number three. God is a moral person. God is a moral. Look at one, one last passage over in Ephesians. In chapter number two. I'm sorry. Where am I? Ephesians. Where do I want to be? Chapter 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. And if you come down to verse 1, again, just like in Colossians, after laying a foundation of the, of the theology of salvation, now that you've been saved, Colossians said, you're renewed in your knowledge. In Ephesians, now that you're saved, verse number 24, you put on that new man which after God is created in, notice, were created in righteousness and true holiness. 
and were created in righteousness and true holiness after God. In other words, God is the pattern that we are created after that pattern. He is the reality. He's the real Lamborghini. We're the little matchbox model. And we're created in the image of, in his righteousness and in his holiness. He's the jet airplane in the sky. We're the shadow on the tops of the trees. We are the image and likeness of the reality of our God. Our God is the holy, righteous one. And he created us in his image. Flawed by sin, but recovered in salvation. The new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness after the pattern of the real thing. God Almighty, who created us in his image. God is the pattern of what it means to be righteous. God is the pattern of what it means to be holy. The more we become like God, the more holy and righteous we become. God is a moral person. He's a person of holiness. He's a person of righteousness. And the more we become like him, the more we bear his image on earth, the more we bear the image of holiness and righteousness on earth. And by the way, the rest of Ephesians 4 chronicles examples of such living, honesty, controlled emotion, generosity, kind speech, a lack of hateful behavior, the presence of gracious behavior, All of these examples that are given in the rest of Ephesians 4 are merely examples of holy living that we are able to live because we've been saved. And the new man is reimposed as we study the word of God, as we become more like Christ, we have superimposed on us that image of God as a righteous and a holy being, our God is a person, he's an intelligent person, and he's a moral person. How do we know? Because the Bible describes us as that. When we are in the image of God. In Romans, in Colossians, in Ephesians. You see, a knowledge of humanity created in the image of God points back to the reality of the nature of God that's in That person. Truth points back from man to God. In Romans, Colossians, and Ephesians, we're told what it is to be in the image of God. Knowledgeable, righteous, holy. So truth points back. Let me close with this one other direction. Truth also points Forward from God down to man. The Bible has all of these passages in Romans and Colossians and Ephesians. Explaining Genesis chapters 1 and 5. Showing us that how we are remade into the likeness of God. Through our salvation. And describes what that involves. Knowledge, righteousness, holiness. But we also learn that the truth of God points from God to us. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, I won't ask you to turn there, but back in Genesis 9, I think it's in your little worksheet there, uh, Genesis 9, verse 6, 
when, when Noah came off the ark, God had some things to say about their lives. And God said, if anyone murders somebody else, they will forfeit their life. Capital punishment for murder. God instituted when they came off the ark in Genesis 9. Now, why? What is so egregious about murder that would cause the murderer to forfeit their life for what they did? Genesis 9, 6 tells us that whoso killeth a man shall man by shall, man shall he be killed for he, the one that was murdered, for he is the image of God. There's something very precious about a human life. And the reason that a human life is precious is because we were made in the image of God. And God points to us and says, you are valuable because you were made in my image. Because you were made in my image, you have value that the animal kingdom doesn't have. You have value that the plant kingdom doesn't have. You, don't, you have value that the land and the oceans and the sky doesn't have. You have value because... You are the image of God in my created order. And because you were made in the image of God, your value exceeds the value of everything else I've created. And so if anybody takes your life, they must forfeit their life because of the value of your life having been created in the image of God. We live in a society where life is cheap. We know that as we continue day after day to witness on the news the murders in our cities and in our, across our country, the senseless taking of human life. Life is so cheap. People have no regard for the value of human life. We've witnessed these last couple of weeks the anger of a large segment, a significant segment of American culture who is besides themselves in rage that we would consider that the life of a human being in his or her mother's womb is sacred and valuable. And that we would have the audacity to say you can't kill that human being because they are valuable. Why are they valuable? Only one reason. They are made in the image of God. Coming from the value of God, cascading down to the value not of his entire universe, not of the animal kingdom, 
but to a human being who alone was created in the image of God. God puts value on humanity. And we are bewildered at the cheapness of human life in our culture today. You've seen it on the news, all the commercial businesses in states where abortion will be less, possibly less available, have announced that they'll pay the cost for anyone who will have an abortion. We'll, we'll pay, we'll help. Google even released that they have, I think, an app now that'll help you. If you want to murder your child, you can go on Google and they'll map you to a place where it is legal for you to go in and have your child murdered. Dick's Sporting Goods this last week announced that for all of their employees, for any employee or any employee's spouse, they will give them up to $4,000 to cover their transportation costs to go wherever they have to go to be able to kill their child. Dick's Sporting Goods was asked if a mother chooses to carry her child to term and birth the child and give it up for adoption, will you cover her costs up to $4,000? And they wouldn't answer. Where did the sanctity of life go? Where did the value of humanity go? I'll tell you where it went. It went out of the schools when they said you can't pray here. When you can't use the Bible as a textbook here. When you can't teach Christianity here. When, when, when society kicked God out, we went on a gradual slide that has taken us further and further and further away from God, who is a person, who is an intelligent person, who is a moral person, who placed in the creation of humanity value. And the further we get away from a recognition of the existence of such a God, the further we slide away from the common sense end result decisions that used to come as no-brainers from people who knew God was a person, an intelligent person, a moral person who put value in our lives when he created us in his own image. But it's not just abortion. It's a rat, is a pig, is a dog, is a boy. It's understanding the animal rights movement who is lobbying to have Humanity destroyed in order to save the animal kingdom. And that's why the Ingrid Newkirk of PETA wrote, A rat is a pig, is a dog, is a boy. We're all mammals. With all due respect, Ingrid Newkirk, that is a lie. Humanity is not 
an animal. Humanity is the image of God on earth. And when we lose sight of the existence of God, we have all kinds of bizarre things that begin to happen in culture. And such is our life in today's Western culture. But you know what? God put us here for such a time as this. If you know God, if you've been saved, and through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, you have been made into the image of Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of God is gradually conforming you day in and day out as you study the Word of God, you become more aware and more knowledgeable of what it means to be a person, to be an intelligent person, intelligence by virtue of God's definition of what is wisdom and what is knowledge. And not only intelligent, but a moral person who still believes in the morality of Almighty God that is disclosed to us in His Word, that teaches us what is moral and what is immoral. And when we become like God and begin to bear His image to the culture around us, then we can fulfill his purpose for our existence today, demonstrating to today's people what our God is like. And so what are the results of God creating mankind in his likeness, enabling us to understand God? Well, we begin to understand the value of human life. We begin to understand the value of rational thought. You know, amuse, amusement means no thinking. Our world is amused to death. God is a God of intelligence. Do we put value on rational, intelligent thought? Or do we play video games hours a day? Where is our world of Christianity? Do we value the rational thought of God And do we pour ourselves into his word, into his created universe to know God through what he has created? Or is amusement the only thing important to us? You see, the end result of knowing God is to understand the personhood of God and us in his image. The intelligence, the rational thought and the morality. Last week, Pastor Chris closed the message by reminding us from Romans chapter number one that that mankind has held down the truth of God. Romans one declares that we have that man holds the truth in unrighteousness, in alliterative purposes. The three actions where God speaks, man suppresses, and God saves. The thought of suppressing truth comes from the word hold, to hold down. To hold down the truth of God. The world wants to hold down the truth of God in the cesspool of their unrighteous behavior. But you know what? Truth is stronger than our world. You let let Pastor Chris hold down one of his younger sons. And because Pastor Chris is stronger than his son, he can hold them down and they can't get up. 
I would say that maybe it might be a little different if he were to try to hold down Jeshua. I don't know yet. Jeshua's getting up there. But you know, when something weaker tries to hold down something stronger, they can only hold it down for so long. And our world is trying hard to hold down and suppress the truth that God exists. He's a person. He's an intelligent person. He's a moral person. And they're holding down the truth of God's existence in the cesspool of their own unrighteous, immoral, wicked behavior. And some of Christians have given up trying to stand up for the truth being held down. And they go along with the immorality of some aspects of the culture. But I want to remind me and all of us that God's truth is stronger than the strongest of this world's people who defy God. And they can only hold down God's truth as long as God is willing to allow them to hold it down in our culture. The day will come when the truth of God will burst them from off of its back. And will stand in glorious power. And Jesus Christ will rule and reign as a personal, intelligent, moral God ruling his creation. We're on the winning team. We just got to stand for truth of the existence and the nature of our God today.